to Hebrews chapter 13. This is probably an appropriate time to have this message. It seems a very, to be a very self-serving message. I'm going to be talking about the pastor tonight here, the pastor and you. And uh, we'll look at, uh, let's look at the whole chapter, but time we're only going to permit to highlight four verses. And we'll get right into it tonight. This is a Wednesday night message in the sense that if I, this is definitely not a Sunday morning message. It seems, it would seem too self-serving for sure for a number of visitors and guests that might be here and new folks that might be thinking I'm just patting my own self on the back and looking for uh, self-adulation or uh, pity or what have you. But uh, this is definitely a Wednesday night message. And uh, there's a reason why I felt led to preach this been preaching some individual messages on Wednesday night, uh, different subjects. Uh, I will say that I spent uh, today, I talked to a couple, three pastors today, and I talked to John Beer today uh, from BAC, and then I talked to, uh, I had lunch with a pastor yesterday, and we were talking pastor stuff, and that's, I guess, the reason for this message tonight. I pulled out from the archives this message and dusted it off and, and uh Put some additional notes to it. But anyhow, let's, let, I'm going to let you remain seated tonight. And uh, let's read verse 1 together, all four verses or all four words together, all right? Hebrews 13, 1, reading together. Ready? Let brotherly love continue. Isn't that a great verse? A great way to start off this last uh, uh, chapter of Hebrews. Uh, and Paul says, or I say Paul, we don't know really who the writer of, a human writer of, Hebrews is the majority consensus is it could have probably probably been Paul, so I say Paul, but uh, maybe it was Barnabas, maybe it was Luke, we don't really know. But let brotherly love continue. And then verse number seven, we'll skip down to there, there are three text verses, verse seven, let's read that together, ready, here we go, ready, begin. Remember them which have the rule over you, and who have spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith follow considering the end of their conversation. That word conversation, most of you probably know that's an old English word for their citizenship or their lifestyle and has to do more than just their speech as we think of it today. It has to do with their overall life and their overall uh, earthly citizenship. Verse number 17, let's read that together. Ready? Here we go. Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves for they watch for your souls as they must give account that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. And then verse 24. By the way, there's several other verses that probably should be read, but for time's sake, we'll forego them. Maybe touch on them throughout the message. But verse 24, let's read that together. Ready? Salute all them that have the rule over you and all the saints. They of Italy salute you. And we see a key phrase in all three of these these uh, verses here, the phrase that have the rule over you. Let me just say in a way of outset, it's not on your worksheet, but I just want to make some introductory comments so the message might make sense tonight, our study. That is, things go better. God has ordained institutions. And um, some say he has three. Some believe there are four ordained institutions. Uh, the civil government would be the first that we see in the Word of God early on in Genesis. Then we see the family, of course, and the, or the home. And then in the New Testament, we see the church, a fourth uh, divine institution. It's, I don't know if it's true or not, but some feel that the workplace is the divine institution that God ordained, and he certainly uh, put a premium on work. There's no doubt about that. But things go better 
with organized civil government, or in other words, with good civil leadership. I, was, I saw an article on Venezuela today, and uh, what's going on in Venezuela is just horrific, and we're not even hearing anything about it. Two and a half million people have fled their country, and the people are starving in the streets, and it's the product of socialism, of course, and, and uh, of corrupt government and so forth, and socialistic leaders and communist leaders. Things go better with organized civil government. Secondly, things go better with a dad in the home when we're talking about the family. Uh, a single mom, can, a godly mom, can raise uh, a godly children. That's true, but God, you can't prove on God's uh, formula for the family. And that formula consider, concludes a dad is the head of the home, and um, God, you can't improve upon that, and the home goes better with a mother and a father. That's a rare commodity in today's society, for sure. We understand that. Then thirdly, though, things go better in the church, the divine, the local New Testament church that God has ordained to win the world when there's a pastor, and hopefully a godly pastor. And uh, a bad dad, a bad pastor, a bad uh, leader in civil government, then you're going to have catastrophe, but a good leader... A good uh, dad, a good pastor is a blessing uh, to each one of those institutions that we talked about. Uh, the, the whole book of Hebrews, just in way of a general outline or understanding of this book of Hebrews, it's, it's uh, things are better, or Christ is better than the angels, chapter 1. Christ is better than, than a whole... A whole uh, series of uh, things that we see in the book of Hebrews, but we see that we see spiritual things in chapter 13. Just glance at it with me, please, just in way of a general outline for the chapter. Verses 1 through 4, we've already read verse 1. Uh, it refers to spiritual fellowship, and fellowship must have love included in it, or there's not, there's not good koinonia or good fellowship. Uh, this Spiritual things talks about not only spiritual fellowship, but verses 5 and 6 talk about spiritual treasures. We may not be rich in as far as the world is concerned, but we're rich in Christ, of course. And then uh, there's spiritual food in verses 7 to 10. Verse 9 would be a key verse. Be not carried about with diverse or different and strange doctrines, for it is good that the heart be established with grace, not with meats, which have not profited them that have been occupied therein. And so there's spiritual food that God speaks about, that, of course, the Word of God being at, at a premium. And then there's spiritual sacrifice, verses 15 and 16, says this, By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually in his local New Testament assembly. That is, the fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name, but to do good and to communicate, or just that word communicate has the idea of distribute, or giving, forget not, for with such sacrifices God is well pleased. And so we see the spiritual sacrifice. Then verses 17 to 24, we see spiritual power. And verse 17 would be the key verse there, which we're going to look at in just a moment. Back to the worksheet and to introductory thoughts here, and we'll get to the outline in a minute here. But there are three commands in this text concerning the pastor and the people whom he shepherds. Now the the, the, you see, it, it's already written out for you. You see verse number seven again. Remember them, or consider them, certainly pray for them. Remember them that have the rule over you. And uh, let me read the verse here. Remember them which, which have the rule over you, who have spoken unto you the word of 
God, whose faith follow, considering the end of their life, their conversation. So remember them. Then in verse number 17 again, it says, Obey them that have the rule over you. And verse 24, salute all them that have the rule over you. That, that, that word rule over you is the same Greek word, and it's the only time it's found in all of the New Testament, as a matter of fact. It's found here in verse 7, verse 17, and verse 24. It's a specific word. It's not that you need to know this, of course, but it's hegeomai. And the word, if you just strong concordances, you'll see the definition of the word. It means, remember them that have the leadership over you, or remember them that are the chief amongst you, or uh, remember them that are the, your governor or your overseer, as we see right here, or that rule over you. It's not that, and I, I think of that word chief. My son-in-law's in the Navy, as you all know, and uh, there's a pecking order, there's a they're all, there's, they're one cohesive unit in the United States Navy. is supposed to be one cohesive unit, but there's different. Uh, a chief has underlings underneath him, and you obey the chief. You follow the chief no matter what, because he sets the rules, of course. And the Bible says that if the church is going to be blessed, follow the church. If you're going to be blessed, or follow, excuse me, follow the pastor, and it's, it's good for you to do that. The Bible says, Obey them, verse 17, that have the rule over you or overseership over you, and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls as they that must give an account that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. And so it's to your benefit to obey the pastor. And I guess you say, Preacher, why are you preaching this? Because of yourself? No, I... I guess I, uh, and I'll be nebulous on purpose, and I won't tell you the pastors we were talking about yesterday because then you would know that they're having issues and problems. But a number of our churches, uh, Pastor John, or rather Brother John Beard, just to give you a, for instance, I was talking to him today. He was lauding our praises on how well we did financially. I said, I didn't think we did that well. We did okay. I mean, from just, you know, the size crowd we have, we do fantastic. And he said something, and I want to accurately try to quote him properly, but basically he said, and let me give you the Marty Shot translation, I'm not trying to embellish it all, but he said, Pastor, you're doing far better, you guys are doing far better than they do 58 churches, uh, in mostly in the Northeast, New Jersey, New York, and New England. He says, you're doing far better than most. And that's not to get, so we can get puffed up in pride and, or think that we're better than anybody else because we're not. But he kind of humbled me when he said that because God's been very good to our church. And I was uh, with another pastor I'll leave unnamed yesterday and I was talking to another pastor this morning and talked to several pastors this week already. And uh, I'd like to mention names and drop some names of some pastors and churches that are struggling right now, but I, I won't do that. Just pray for our sister churches around uh, New England, Connecticut especially, and, and uh, in our backyard. Uh, there's a lot of churches that are really struggling, churches down to just a handful of people. And, uh, and I just pray the Lord blesses them and, because pastors are human beings too. And uh, I don't say this honestly to try to puff you up in a false way, but you guys have been so good to me, and I, I know it. And, and, and by the way, you know it, hopefully. <laughs> you've, been, you've been great to me, and I thank you for that. And, and um, I've had a wonderful 33 years of pastoring, of course. It hasn't been without some bumps and some, some tough times in the, the road, but overall, I think I've been far blessed than, than most and God's been good to me. But let me give you a three-point outline here tonight. And 
I gave this to you several years ago, so I always, I always think of Diane and, and uh, Walt and Diane. They, they, they take their notes, and the girls take their notes. They, you probably remember this from a few years back, but anyhow, no, you don't remember. Thank you. <laughs> Good. I'm glad you don't remember. So number one here tonight, dear, and I, uh, let's write down this. In Ephesians 4, 11, and 12, let me give you the verse, and then I'll give you the fill-in-the-blank word. The Bible says, and he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers... Ephesians 4.12, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Let me give you the point, and then we'll expound. Uh, what's your, the relationship to him? First of all, your pastor and you, what's your relationship to him? I am one of God's gifts to the church. That sounds so, again, braggadocious, so self-congratulating. Uh, uh, but I'm, God gave me to you guys. And uh, he gave me to you for the perfecting of the saints. That word perfecting, many of you know, I think it's the word mendao, don't quote me on that, but we get our word mending from that. Uh, uh, and uh, the idea of a, of a nurse or a doctor mending their patients for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. With the number of visitors that we had Sunday night, uh, the vast majority of them, in fact, I'm thinking out loud here, I'm trying to think if I had anybody come for me. I don't think so. But a whole bunch of people came for you. You did the work of the ministry. And uh, I mean, just go through this audience here tonight, and I'm looking at Allison. She had visitors here. And uh, 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 who else had visitors here? Several, several people had visitors. Uh, uh, the Ann and... Uh, Mark DiCarlo had several visitors here, and on and on it could go with, but you did the work of the ministry. And the Bible says, and for the edifying or the building up of the body of Christ, the purpose of the pastor, and it's you, you bless me, and I hopefully will be a blessing to you. ABC, uh, the relationship to him, first of all, he's part of the body of Christ. 2 Corinthians 12, 13, of course, we are all baptized by one spirit into all one body. In one sense, I'm no better than any, I'm no, uh, no more important than any other part of the body except for, as a pastor, I'm the head. I'm the spiritual head of the body, which is, you know, your head is a pretty part, part, important part of the body. You can lose an arm and still exist. You know, I know several people with no arm, missing an arm. You miss a leg and you can go on, but you can't miss a head. That's pretty important. <laughs> and, uh, so if I'm part of the body. Uh, the pastor is, secondly, he's part of the family of God. In Galatians 4, it says, Galatians 3, rather, for you're all children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. Uh, there we're on the same, same plane for sure. We're all part of the family of God. And uh, we need to build up one another, of course, in this family of God. Let her see, I'm part of the authority of God. And 1 Peter 5.3, neither is being lords over God's heritage for, uh, but being an example to the flock. Uh, one of the words for pastor, in fact, the word for pastor is the word uh, poimen in the Greek language. And uh, this word, neither is being lords, or excuse me, it's, I take that back, I'm going off the top of my head, it's the word uh, this word is the word katakurion, come to think of it. It's uh, the word kurios, it's the word for Lord. And kata, to 
hold down or overlords or cat, you think of a catapult and uh, catacurion. I'm not to be lording over you and suppressing you and holding you down. I'm to be helping. I'm to be a helper, of course. And uh, so, but God's called me to be a, a coach, a mentor. I was watching, I don't suppose this would pertain to just to maybe a handful of you sports guys. If there's, uh, I was watching uh, 30 minutes on ESPN last night on, about Bobby Knight. How many know who Bobby Knight is? Just out of curiosity, yeah. He was the coach of Indi- Hall of Fame coach for Indiana uh, University, of course, and they won some national championships and so forth. Uh, the, at least in the documentary, they didn't make him out to be a very nice guy. He had a, certainly had a foul mouth on him, and he was very... He finally got fired from Indiana University and uh, one of the winningest coaches in base, uh, basketball history. But uh, he was uh, he's very demeaning to his players. And uh, that's not what a pastor is supposed to be. A pastor is to be a mentor, to be an encourager, a coach. Uh, I often, often said... Uh, uh, there's a difference between in s- the sports world and in the business world. In fact, I look at Paul again because I know Paul's in corporate, the corporate world. And, uh, well, you, Dale and Marcy, several of you people know this world. It's a dog-eat-dog world, and you've got general managers. And it's like there's a, there's a uh, ladder-climbing uh, scenario that goes on, of course. Some of you have been in that corporate world, and it's... Uh, uh, he, he, the general manager, his goal is to hire the very best people. He doesn't want to make friends necessarily. He's, he's, he wants to, he, his job is to, to be, to make the company money, quite frankly. Whereas the, the foreman or what have you, the under, the, the going to the sports world, the coaches, their job is to take the players that they have and make the best that they have with what they've been dealt with. Their job is not to hire and fire. And a pastor is more of a coach more of a mentor and not a CEO, not a, not a general manager in the sense that uh, if you don't fit the bill, fire, fire uh, you or fire that person. You know, we've got to work with what God's given us. We're to be gentle shepherds to all the sheep. And so what's your relationship to the, to the pastor? Well, he's to understand he's part of the body. He's part of the family of God. He's part of the authority of God. And then number, Roman numeral number two, the right down, I got an R thing going, so it's, the word is the remembering of him. Verse 7, we won't read it again because it's, it's we, the Bible says, remember them that have the rule over you. Uh, letter A, first of all, he's a God-given leader. It is astounding. And you think of all the different pastors, and many of you are veteran Christians. You know, there's all kinds of different pastors. Some real dominant leaders, some real... Uh, meek and mild leaders, and then everything in between. Some highly intelligent guys, and some guys with just average intelligence. That's where I fall in for sure. And uh, but all different leadership styles, even. But God, it's amazing all the different leaders that God chooses, even within the realm of the pastorate. And so, uh, and I believe that leaders with different leadership styles can get just as much done as any other leader. If you know, if God, God can energize and and use them in just a great way if they'll just be uh, spirit-led and led, led, led by the Lord and uh, walk humbly. So he's to be a God-given leader. He's number two. Uh, remember, the remembering of him, he's to be in need of, he's, pardon me, he's in need of your prayers. 
I'm in need of your prayers. Every pastor is in need of your prayers. Uh, Romans 15.30 says, Now I beseech you, brethren, for the Lord Jesus' sake and for the love of the Spirit that ye strive together with me, the Apostle Paul said, with me in your prayers to God for me. Pastor Parmar called me today, and uh, he's doing his best, uh, you know, his, his strong suit, one of his strong suits is prayer. And uh, he's praying, we mentioned several names of people in our congregation that he prays for. And uh, he's very astute about that and prays, but he needs prayer, of course. As I asked him about his headaches, of course, and he, he tries to fluff that off, but uh, pray for Continue to pray for Pastor Parmar. He needs your prayers. Caleb needs your prayers. I need your prayers. And I know that you do that. And I thank you so much for that. Uh, letter C, James 5, 17. Elias was a man subject to like passions as we are. We have to remember these Bible so-called characters, they were just like you and I. They had issues like you have issues, like I have issues. They're just regular mere mortals. And uh, Elias, uh, Elijah, and we could say that for any, every servant of God, for that matter, uh, a true servant of God, they're humble beings. He's a humble being. And I'll just, let me be careful when I say this here, but I, I think of, uh, well, I've seen some men that are not humble, let's put it that way. I don't to just be blunt, I guess. And uh, I've seen where God has, I got a certain man in mind, quite frankly, I obviously leave down names, most of you don't know who he was anyhow. Years have gone by, but he had a spirit of arrogance about him. Not very humble. And God finally, in his own way, God removed him. And uh, it's a tough thing being in the realm of leadership and just uh, pray, pray that uh, God has, by the, way, by the way, he has a thousand ways of keeping us humble, that's for sure. And uh, I think most of us know that. Uh, I've said it many, many times, the older I get, the less I know. Uh, the older I get, the, ha- the harder it is, it seems like. It's, it's humbling serving the Lord. And uh, God has a way of keeping us, as Paul said, that his grace is sufficient for us. Uh, Zechariah 13.8 says, and I'm paraphrasing, or let me quote part of the verse, the Bible says, smite the shepherd and the sheep shall be scattered. And how true that verse is in a local church context for sure. So he's constantly under satanic attack. Uh, one of our sister churches, and I've alluded to it a couple, three, four times already from the pulpit in the last few months here. One of our churches is without a pastor right now, and they, the pastor succumbed to... Uh, uh, or well, sin of the flesh, I guess you would call it, or sin of the spirit, however you want to say it. And they're pastorless right now, and they uh, keep tabs with several people from that church. And they're going through a tough time. Why? The, the shepherd's scattered, or rather the, the shepherd is gone, and the sheep are scattering, and it's a dangerous thing. Pray for shepherdless uh, assemblies. They need to get a... But pray for the pastors that they, they're under spiritual attack by Satan. And then uh, 1 Timothy 3, verses 1 through 4. The Bible says, This is a true saying that if a man desire the office of a bishop, he desireth a good work. A bishop then must be blameless. 
uh, again, I'll be elusive on purpose, but uh, some of you would understand. Uh, there's been obviously been a time in my life for sure where, in fact, several people uh, didn't feel I was blameless anymore. And I guess that word blameless, you've heard it said many times, it's not sinless. If that was the case, we wouldn't have any pastors, of course. It has nothing to do with that. And then uh, the, uh, I was talking to a, f- a pastor and a very good man. He's preached here from this pulpit. I mean, and I'm not saying this to sound uh, self, uh, say, be extra humble, but he's a way better man than I am, and I mean that. He's a great man, but he's, his children are all have fallen away from the things of God. They're all adults. They're all making their own choices in life. And he and his wife are just heartbroken about it, just heartbroken. And uh, as far as I can know, I can see he's been a faithful pastor for many, many, many years. And his flock loves him, and he's a godly man and so forth. But his family has chosen to go a different direction. And uh, that can be said for a lot of uh, so-called famous pastors, by the way, and good, good men of God that their families do not follow. And uh, it's easy to have all the answers before you have kids, but then after you have kids, uh, you change your, your thought process a little bit in regards to some of these things here. But um, pray for your pastor as a husband and as a father, of course. Then Roman numeral number three, let's hurry along to that if we could. Uh, the responsibility to him. We, we have the relationship to him. He's part of the body, part of the, part of the family of God. He's part of the authority of God. The remembering of him, he's a God-given leader. He's in need of your prayers. He's, a, he's to be a humble being. He's under constant satanic attack. And he's a husband and a father. And so myself as well as most everyone in this room, we wear several different hats from time to time. Some of you are, obviously some of you ladies in this room are wives and your mothers as well. And maybe your sisters, maybe you're a, a, you're a child to your parent. If they're still alive, there's many different hats that we wear. And we've got to wear them each well, of course. But then, then the responsibility to him. First of all, letter A, follow him. Follow him. And uh, so important. Things go better when you follow the leader. They just really do. Uh, I'm thinking. Uh, I'm thinking in the context of war. Uh, I'm thinking of the captain or the general or the the sergeant, whatever the case might be. That's got a small band of men, and he's got to lead them into battle. He's got to make a split second decision. We're going to take that hill. We're going to go around the left side, and we're going to you're going to flank to the right, or whatever the case is. We're going to charge straight on. And it's like, well, if I was leader, I wouldn't. I would. I would do this. I would do that. The other thing. A lot of times we make what we call judgment calls. This is what we're going to do. I, you know, I don't know what to do about a lot of different things that we do around here, of course. I'm not sure what the right path is, uh, but I just, uh, one of our churches, and I, uh, I, for the eighth time here, I'm elusive on purpose, but one of our churches is doing away with their Sunday night services starting in 2019 and, and uh, doing away with uh, uh, the Wednesday night groups as uh, church and going to group, uh, group meetings and so forth, and Hey, that's how God led that pastor, as far as I can see. I'm not going to throw stones that way. I just uh, That's not us. Uh, that's not me right now. I don't think that we're going to do away with our Sunday night or Wednesday night services anytime soon. 
although things are, you know, across America, they're, they're downsizing in midweek services, and our type of churches are not growing uh, from, as a, from a, from a uh, uh, not a denominational uh, point of view, but from a movement point of view. Some are, there's aberrations, of course there are, but uh, nobody will ever convince me that we're growing right now. It's getting, things getting are, hard, are getting harder, but that's okay. We we it's still better when we follow the leader. And then number letter B for time's sake here. We'll finish this up here tonight. Proverbs twelve fifteen says these words: "The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but he that hearkeneth unto counsel is wise." And Proverbs thirteen seventeen again: uh, the pastor has watch over you, so. Heed him, not only follow him, but heed his counsel. Heed him. Especially young people. I wish there were more young people to hear this said, but you know, there's something with, hopefully with age comes wisdom, of course. Uh, I look at Sister Jim and Sherry, and uh, pardon me, some of our little more senior than other seniors in the room here. It'd be smart for folks that are not, haven't attained to their age to listen to them. They might have some life experience and they might how long have you guys been married now? 59 years? 60 years in February. 60 years in February. They might know something about marriage. What do you think? What do you think? You think, think they might know something? You think they might, you know, uh, anyhow, we, we should listen. It's the whole point we, to, to, to our elders. And uh, I go back as a pastor. I see these young people making these classic mistakes. And it's like, don't do that. I promise you, you're going to pay for that. You're going to hurt yourself. Listen to me. Do this. And, and you know, they, they go the way more times than not. It seems like they, they don't heed. And then tragedy happens, and then they finally wake up a little bit. But by then, it's, a lot of damage has been done oftentimes. First uh, Timothy 5.17, honor him. First uh, Timothy 5.17, let the elders that rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in the word and doctrine. And uh, so honor him. And you guys, uh, again, I feel very honored and very, uh, you guys take, treat me very well, of course, and I thank God for that. I haven't always seen that in uh, uh, with other pastors and so forth, other churches. Support him financially. I don't hardly anything needs to be said about that, but the Bible says, For the Scripture saith, Thou shalt not muzzle the ox that treadeth out the corn, and labor, the laborer is worthy of his reward. Uh, I was with a certain person just in the last 10 days, and uh, they're, nice, they're nice people. I, I believe they're a Christian, but I'm not sure if they really are, and I'll just leave the gender out of the equation, whether we're, I'm talking about a man or a woman. But uh, when I'm with this person, we always have a cordial back and forth, and and they've been to our church several times. But they, they're one of those people that don't think pastors should be paid. They think I'm a hireling because I'm being paid, that I should have a full-time job, and I should work like everybody else, and, uh, because I don't work for a living. I only work one day a week. <laughs> and uh, I'm being a little facetious, of course. But that's how they think. They really think that way. And uh, they think that uh, somehow I'm robbing, fleecing the flock. And uh, so I know this about them. I mean, they, they at least had the character to tell me this point blank several years ago. This is how they feel. So they go to the, uh, a small, uh, I better be careful here because some of you, 
Uh, you don't want to get too close to a danger level. You might figure out who I'm talking about. But anyhow, uh, they, they don't go to an organized church because organized churches have organized pastors, hopefully, and <laughs> they get paid and they, they're, they're hireling. But uh, it's um, 1 Corinthians 9, if you want another cross-reference passage of Scripture, you read about, about don't, don't muzzle the ox that treadeth the corn. It's good to take care of your ox if you want to have a good garden. Good to take care of the pastor if you want to have a good church, of course. And you guys do that, of course. Then number, letter E, rather, defend him. The Bible says, against an elder, receive not an accusation, but before two or three witnesses. Give the man of God a break. By the way, you should give everybody a break before two or three witnesses. I mean, don't believe everything you hear the first time you hear it. And uh, give, him, give him the benefit of the doubt. And um, I did that just recently, a couple, few months ago, and, and uh, I was sure that uh, someone was wrongly impugned, and as time went on, I found out that, no, I guess there's, uh, sadly, there's multitude of uh, evidence that uh, I guess things were not kosher as they should be. And, but I, I gave the man uh, the benefit of the doubt because I, I just couldn't believe that. And uh, that's a good thing to do, of course. You, you would want that if you... It used to be in our country, remember when we just got through the Kavanaugh incident, of course, the Supreme Court. Remember the days where it used to be innocent until proven guilty? And, uh, of course, those days have gone by the wayside in certain venues. Now you're guilty until proven innocent. And uh, another day, another time. But defend him. And uh, churches can be tremendously hurt by pastors, or rather people destroying the pastor and destroying his reputation, of course. Then letter F, help him. Help him. Uh, he's God's gift, one of God's gifted men. And I've already read the verse, but uh, he helps, you help him, he helps you. He's for the perfecting of many of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. And so help him. And then lastly, uh, 1 Thessalonians 5, 12, and 13. In this chapter, Hebrews 13 started off with those four words, verse 1, of course, let brotherly love continue. Obviously, letter G, this could be said for everybody in the body, love him. And love him in um, 1 Thessalonians 5, 12, and 13. I beseech you, brethren, to know them that labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love for the, their work's sake and to be at peace among yourselves. I wanted to uh, end where we started here a half hour ago. I, 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 I heard some news about some pastors, local pastors, and uh, I said, well, we need to, and that was the emphasis for this message, and I said, we need to pray for them, but I don't want to even mention their name tonight, because if I mention their name, you say, preacher, what's the matter? Their, well, their churches are downsizing, they're losing members, they're, they're, they're being... Uh, you know, they're being snipped at and so forth. And uh, it's really the whole body of Christ is being hurt. The local assembly is being hurt. And they're good men. They love the Lord. I know they do. And maybe they got some, I'm sure they got some idiosyncrasies or some, uh, some shortcomings like we all do. But the best thing that local church could do is to pray for them and support them the best they can and, uh, and be the best team players they can be. And God would bless them in a great way. But let's... Let's have a closing word of prayer here tonight. Here, let's pray for. I'm just going to pray a general prayer blessing uh, on pastors. Uh, the Lord knows who I have in my mind in this this evening. Here, we'll pray for them. Let's close in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, 
Lord, uh, we're not in this alone. We're not in this, we're, it's just not our, we're not an island unto ourselves. But Lord, there are many gospel preaching churches, even right around our neighborhood here, dear God, and around our northwest Connecticut. And Lord, thank you for Brother Reuben that he's, Lord, you're blessing him in a great way right now. And the church is doing, uh, is healthy right now and doing good. Lord, there's some others. And Lord, you know who, I thank you that you can see my thoughts afar so off. Lord, you know who. Uh, I'm thinking of, Lord, and I pray you'd bless that brother that's in my mind right now and Lord, that other brother that uh, both have preached from this pulpit, Lord, uh, over the years. Lord, they're good men. They love you. Their churches are struggling right now. We pray a prayer blessing upon them. Lord, help them. Lord, they're, they're like Elijah in the sense that they're just uh, men of like, like passions, like faith. Lord, they get discouraged like anybody else. And so I pray that you'd bless them. Lord, maybe there's someone here tonight, Lord, that is, is, is in need of a, a booster shot or in need of encouragement. Bless each person that's here tonight, Lord. Bless our church body in general. Thank you for a great uh, Sunday night service that we had, Lord. I pray that you'd bless in the, this coming Lord's Day in a wonderful way. And we'll thank you for it, Lord. I pray, Lord, for this crowd here tonight, Lord, for each person that's here this evening. Maybe there's an unstated burden, dear God, that someone has this night, Lord, help them through this time in their life, and we'll thank you for it. Thank you that you're a God of comfort and a God of consolation, and you love us. And Lord, I pray you'd bless as we close our service out tonight, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's sing just one verse. How about uh, Rebecca's already there? How about